Let's pray this together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? Praise God. I want to preach this morning a a sermon entitled Influencer. Influencer. As we continue, we have one more week in this series, What If We Prayed? What If We Prayed? We're in that little phrase, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one or from evil and so I thought about what is that really saying when, when Christ is telling us, you know, pray for God to lead us not into temptation. What is he saying there? And I thought of that word influence or, or maybe under the influence. And, and sometimes we can look at someone and we can say, well, that person is under the influence. Maybe they're under the influence of somebody. Maybe they're under the influence of something, Really and truly, there are a lot of factors, a lot of things that are trying to influence each one of us. One of those I thought of practically is advertisements. We are always seeing advertisements. It used to be on the television, but now we see it probably mostly on our telephones when we're looking at social media or things. But advertisements are trying to influence us. Think about that. They want to make themselves seem credible. Credible enough that we'll make them our, our insurance agent or we'll make them our, our uh, lawyer of choice or whatever uh, service of choice. Sometimes advertisements play on our emotions. And uh, a good advertiser for me that would play on my emotions would, would show a, a nice piece of food and steam coming off of it, you know. And they know you're going to play on my emotions. They're going to get me. Just a sidebar, I cannot watch the... the um, Food Network, I can't, it doesn't matter if I've had a four-course meal and I turn on the Food Network, I'm going to get hungry again. I can't do it. That's that influence. It's too powerful for me to, to stand. Sometimes advertisements try to play on our logic or our reason, and they just say, it's logical for us to buy this product. It just makes good sense to buy this product. Now, what they don't tell you is that three months later, it's, going to take up space in your closet doesn't make a lot of sense anymore, right? But, but these advertisements, they try to influence us. Influence is the capacity, the ability to have an effect on character or development or the behavior of someone. Some of the most powerful people in our lives who have influence, and some of you are, are parents right now with children at home. That's huge influence that we have in raising our children, isn't it? But influence has the, the ability to make an effect on something. Some people have been influenced by other people. Some people have been influenced by doctrines. 
And some doctrines are good, solid, biblically-based doctrines, while some doctrines have gone astray and are leading people astray. What are we being influenced by? Do we know this Word of God? Do we know that God's Word is the only strong influence that should be in our lives? Some have been influenced by alcohol and drugs. And then they find themselves under the influence. I want to preach to us very kindly and very gently this morning from God's word. The only influence that I should be under is the influence of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm taking something into my body that is causing me exterior influence, I better examine what I'm doing. Amen? Biblically speaking, and let me, let me show you a scripture. Ephesians 5. 18 and 19. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, or one translation says, wherein is excess, but be filled, everybody say filled, with the Holy Spirit. I just want to preach right there for just a moment. I want to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that I have no desire for anything else to influence me. I want to be so under his influence that I don't need or want or desire the things of this world that will impair my judgment or cause me to act stupidly. But the Holy Spirit will never cause me to act stupidly, will he? I want to be under his influence. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What is Paul saying there is there is such joy in serving the Lord. That the influence that should be coming into us and flowing out of us should be praise and psalms and worship and glory to God. How does this happen? It happens because Christ can be should be, hopefully is, our main influencer. And Christ has given us, get this, Christ has given us the Holy Spirit. Why? Both to influence our lives and to flow out of our lives to influence other lives. Think about that this morning. Christ has given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can influence my life. He can influence how I live my life. But he can also flow through me to make me an influence to someone else. But let's talk about why we even need this sermon this morning. There's a slide here. We have led astray. Led astray. There's a lot of bad influence in the world. A lot of leading astray, a lot of pulling away from good things and, and traps and evil. But it all has its roots here in Genesis chapter 3. If you want to read with me, I think they'll put it on the screen, starting at verse 1. Here's why there is evil. Here's why there is bad influence in the world. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, this is Eve here, has God indeed said, now we're going to come back to that little phrase in just a second, has God indeed said, because I believe in our society we're asking that question way too often, has God indeed said, when God has clearly said, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, 
least you die. Let me say this. God still has rules today. But he has rules for a reason. And they're always to our benefit. And if God tells us no, just like a good parent would tell a child, don't touch the stove eye because it's hot. If God says no, he has good reason for saying no. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Now notice he has said, has God indeed said? And then he down here he says, you will not surely die. We're going to come back to those two phrases in a moment. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took up its fruit and she ate. A couple things just happened here. The, the enemy devil, he started the tempting part. Then Eve let her flesh start yielding to that. And that's when we pray that prayer, God lead us not into temptation. There's a twofold thing right there. One, it's God, lead me away from where the enemy is trying to, to take me, but help me lead myself too. Do you get that this morning? Lead me away from where the enemy's trying to take me, but lead, help me to lead myself as well. Because the enemy can't take me anywhere I don't want to go. That old, do you remember that old slogan years ago and people would do something and they say, the devil made me do it. And it was kind of a joke. They laugh, but uh, in all seriousness, the devil cannot make any of us do anything. He tempts us, and then when we start yielding to that temptation, so when we're praying, God, lead me not into temptation, we're praying, one, God, help me to avoid where the enemy's trying to pull me away, but two, help me to lead myself with godliness and integrity. Look at, look at verse 6. So when the woman said that the, saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Innocence was lost at that point for mankind. And they sewed fig leaves together and made aprons, or made, excuse me, made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Here's what sin will do to us. It separates us from our fellowship with God. What should have been a beautiful thing, what should have been a wonderful thing, I hear God, he's moving among me. I hear God, he's walking in the cool of the day. We've had these wonderful times of fellowship, but sin, unfortunately, caused them to feel ashamed and they hid themselves from God. Sin still separates us from God. God. Then the Lord God called to Adam and he said to him, where are you? So Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. That's such a sad verse. That's such a sad verse when I, when I see that. I, I didn't intend to spend much time right there, but it just grabs me right here in the moment. There are so many people in this world that they have sinned, they have fallen short, as we all have. And now they think that there's no hope. They think there's no redemption. There's no restoration. And so they're just hiding from God. And they think, God could never love me. But I want to tell you, as we read on, we see that God took and he clothed them. It was, it was the first symbolic showing that God was going to cover sin for those who wanted to be covered. 
God wants to restore fellowship. If you're sitting here this morning and you say, I've been a sinner, I've done too many wrong things, you wouldn't even know what I've done, I'm so ashamed of myself, I want to tell you that there is mercy and grace and forgiveness and God wants to restore whosoever will back to himself. There is a solution to the sin problem. I don't have to live in my sins any longer. I don't have to be pulled down in my transgressions any longer. Jesus Christ has come. He has died on the cross. He has risen on the third day. And we can be restored back to God. I don't have to hide. I don't have to hide, but I should run to his mercy. That my fellowship with him can be restored. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman who you gave to me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. When I stand before God... I will stand as one person. Adam blamed Eve. And Eve blamed the serpent. But when I stand before God, I can blame no man or no woman. On that day, it will only be me and me alone. Have I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior? Have I repented of my sins? Is my name written in the Lamb's book of life? On that day, I can't blame a mama or a daddy. I can't blame a a spouse. I can't blame a friend or a former friend. I can't blame anybody in the church. It will be me and me alone who will give an account for my life to God. You see, today there's still an attempt to, to lead us astray. The point of all this as we look at lead us not into temptation is this, the The enemy starts out subtle until he can get us stuck. He starts out subtle until he can get us stuck. There are areas in my life that the enemy would know. I want to be very careful here because all of us are susceptible if we aren't careful. We're only human. We need to keep our walk with God strong. But there are areas in my life that the enemy probably wouldn't try to tempt me with because he knows that's not a weakness in my life and that's not a place that I'm going to go or do. It's not a failure I'm going to have. So where does he try to hit us? He tries to find our weak points. But not only does he try to find our weak points, he's very subtle and systematic. He has a plan. He has a strategy. And he'll work inch by inch by inch if he needs to. He may not get me to backslide just like that, but maybe he has devised a plan to take me a little bit at a time. That's what he did here with Eve. That's what he did here with Adam. Subtle, subtle. Why are you preaching like this, pastor? Because we need to be on guard as Christians, amen? And we, not, we don't need to be ignorant of Satan's devices. Now, ignorant doesn't mean we're, we're, we're stupid or unlearned. Ignorant means we don't know. And sometimes we need to make sure we know and we need to watch our lives and we need to think, where is it that the enemy is trying to get 
a small foothold in our lives or in our families. He'll start small and then it'll grow. He's subtle. But if we follow that subtleness, eventually we'll find ourselves stuck in a place that we didn't intend to ever be. Let me look at another strategy as we, as we look at learning the strategies of this evil influencer. He also tries to take our doubting and turn it to denying. Genesis 3.1, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, here it was, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Has God indeed said he tries to make us doubt. And many times we, we can be rooted and grounded in God's word, but how many times does he come to us sometimes and say, really? Is it really wrong to do that? Did God really say that? Is that really relevant for 2020? You know, that, that, was, that was 1980s stuff. Is it, really, is it really relevant to live a holy life, a righteous life, to, to hold on to biblical scripture? He'll try to make us doubt, won't he? That's why we must renew our minds in God's word. That's why scripture tells us to, to renew our minds. We need to get in this word. We need to read the word, study the word. We need to be in, in classes and be taught the word. We need to be at church on Sunday and hear the word preached because we need to be totally reminded constantly of God's word. This is our blueprint for living, our standard for living because too often the enemy gets in and he says, has God really said? Has he really said? Look at Genesis 3, 4 at, a, at another strategy. Then the serpent said to the woman, now he's gone from just doubting to just flat out denying God's word. He said, you will not surely die. You will not surely die. There's been a many a people throughout the eons of time that, that the enemy has lied to them and they, he has said, you won't become an addict. You won't become addicted. This won't ruin your lives only for them to find much later on, that the enemy was a liar. Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. That first drink, that first sip, that first drug, that first whatever, step by step by step, and the enemy is trying to destroy our lives, but it does not have to be that way. If you believe that, say amen. amen. We can be influenced from the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said for us to pray, lead us from temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Let me say it this way. Lead us from the evil one. But also God help me to lead myself. God help me to, to, to use my free will that you have given me to make conscious decisions to lead myself away from destructive things in my life. Look at James chapter 1, 14 and 15. James 1, 14 and 15. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when that desire or that lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it has conceived or when it is full grown, brings forth death. The enemy is trying to tempt me so that I'll yield to temptation and then ultimately, the final act of that show is death. 
He wants to destroy us. And he wants to use any sin he can to destroy us. There's three types of sins that we see that classified within the fall of man. One was the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. That's our desire, our passion. You have heard me say it before. Just because I feel like I want to do it. Just because I feel inclined or oriented or whatever towards this or that. Just because I feel that or want that does not mean it's godly or biblical. We have to crucify the flesh and the passions thereof, the scripture says. So one type of temptations is the lust of the flesh. And another form of temptations is the lust of the eyes. You remember the little song? I won't sing it, but be careful, little eyes, what you see. Can I say to us a good running away sometimes is a better falling away anytime. And the scripture especially says in regards to sexual sin, he used the word flee. He didn't say stand there and try to fight it. He didn't say stand there and try to deal with it. Scripture says flee, get away from it. And I want to tell every one of us, it's okay if we need to just get out of a situation or turn something off or get in another room. It's okay to just flee temptation and to get away from it. Because there are some sins that maybe we're just not strong enough to, to fight against. So don't put ourselves in that situation. Am I preaching all right this morning? If I know that that crowd is going to lead me to those actions, then I may just not need to be around that crowd. If I know certain things on the television screen are going to cause my eyes to, to wonder, then maybe I just don't need to turn that television screen on. Or just flip it over to the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> yeah. But those lusts of the eyes, we're seeing things that we, we want. We need to remove those things. Get them away from us. Can I, can I just preach? I'm already just all over the place this morning. I might as well just preach it, aren't I? Sometimes we see things and we start wanting things and we start coveting things. When the Bible tells us godliness with contentment is great gain. Don't let a covetous heart rise up in us because of things we see and now I see it and I want it. I'm going to buy it. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So we have the lust of the flesh, the passions. We have the lust of the eyes, things that we're wanting and seeing. And then finally, we have the pride of life. And the pride of life simply, I think, could be summed up this way. I'm just going to do it my way. I'm going to live life my way. Now, I don't know why I did this the other day. Maybe it was for this sermon example. But uh, I turned on classical something music the other day on Sirius FM. I never do that. And it was Frank Sinatra. I've never listened to Frank Sinatra in my life. Probably never will again. But he was singing some kind of song about living life my way. And so many times we make that our theme song. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to live it my way. My daddy lived it his way. I'm going to live it my way. I'm going to live it on my terms. And that is the pride of life. And unfortunately, the scripture tells us that pride comes before a, a fall. 
Instead of living under the pride of life, I need to humble myself under the mighty hand of God that he can exalt me in due time. What do I do? I acknowledge him and allow him to direct my way. I acknowledge God and I allow him to direct my paths. Have we thought about that recently? Have we thought about the fact that, that God should be the one leading our paths? The Holy Spirit should be the one guiding our lives. I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it God's way. There's hope for all of us. I want to tell you before I close out, there's hope. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You say, all these temptations, all this struggle, all this pulling against me. Paul writes here to the Corinthian church, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. So we need to go ahead and get rid of that uh, mindset that says I'm the only one. Nobody else knows how I feel. No one else deals with what I'm dealing with. I know it's hard sometimes for all of us as individuals, but the Bible says here no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. If you're being tempted by it and it's fighting against you, Take a little bit of encouragement in knowing other people are, it's biblical. Other people are dealing with things too. Here's a great line, but God is faithful. Somebody say that with me, faithful. faithful. Let's say it again, faithful. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear or beyond what you are able. Think about that. As strong as the temptation may be, God's not going to let it be stronger than I, through Christ, can overcome. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I would just like to think this morning that I'm preaching to a beautiful group, and you are a beautiful group. What a beautiful congregation this morning. Thank you for being in God's house. I would like to think that I am preaching to a group that would just remind ourselves we can bear it through Christ. You're going to make it. I know the word of God sometimes is sharper than a two-edged sword and sometimes it convicts us and sometimes it challenges us. And I know the enemy over here is trying to pull us down and tempt us and cause us to fall, but God is able to bear us up in victory. And as I look around this room this morning, I just pray, God, I pray that I'm preaching to a group of overcomers this morning. I pray that I'm preaching to a, to a group that's going to say, yes, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to lead my life. I'm going to allow him to lead me and influence others in their lives. Bear me up. Under this temptation. The way is rough sometimes. The way is hard sometimes. But we have help. One final passage of scripture. Christ has given us the model of escape. And Christ will deliver us from the evil one. Can I share one more passage with you from Matthew chapter 4. Beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness. To be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, here's what Jesus said. He said, It is written, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How did Jesus fight the temptation of the devil? When he was probably at his weakest point, he was, he was isolated, he was in the wilderness, he was hungry, he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and the enemy is tempting him and saying, use your power and turn these stones into bread. But Jesus immediately said, it is written. How do we fight temptation? We go back to the word of God. We go back to the promises of God and the principles of God and the power of God's word. And we remind ourselves what is written in the word and we let it guide our thinking. We let it guide our decisions. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I just want to say this morning that I live I move, I have my being in Christ. All of those meals that you hear me talking about, the one we're getting ready to have downstairs in just a, a few moments, all that eating you hear me talking about, if you think that that's what is powering me and, and giving me energy and causing me to live and move, it's not. It's every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is he that has kept me alive. It is he that gets me out of bed. It is he that gives me energy and anointing and strength to do something for him. And that's how it is for all of us. It is in Christ that we live and we move and we have our, our being. I don't live. I'm not sustained by the food of this world. I live because his breath is in my lungs. I live because he gives me strength. Look at verse 5. Then the devil took Jesus up into the holy city and set Jesus on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Then Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. What did Jesus do? Second temptation. He went right back. To the word of God. He went right back to saying it is written. What is our strong defense against the enemy? It is knowing the word of God. We have electives here on Sundays at 10 o'clock. We have electives here on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. We even have something online now that you can, uh, if you're a lady, you can get on and, and, and work together and study the Word of God. We need to know God's Word. We need to know God's Word. It's our strength against temptation. Look at verse number 10. Or excuse me, verse number 8. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. You see, the Bible tells me that if I resist the devil, he'll flee from me. 
Now, how long does that resistance have to last? I, I don't know. I can't put a time on that. But I can tell you that we resist his temptation. Eventually, he has to flee. Now, I know he'll come back. He'll try again. He'll try again as long as we're in this fallen world. But we, we know the word and we stand stubborn against him. That's one time when we ought to be stubborn. We resist him. But I like what Jesus said right here. He said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. And as we're closing this morning, the praise team, would you guys come and get a selection ready, please? I say to us, have we made up our minds? We will serve God and serve only him. Before we leave this house this morning, I want us to think about that for a moment. Are there areas in our lives that we are trying to hold on to? Are there, are there ambitions in our lives that would lead us away from, from God? Or have we made up our minds 100% we will serve God and God only? Been doing some studying in the Old Testament, one of my learning learning goals for 2020 and you say pastor it's about time you learn something right one of my learning goals for 2020 is uh, I've got a big commentary of the Bible and I just want to go through it and I figured out if I can do a hundred pages a month then I can finish it in a year and it's a guide all the way from the Old Testament through the New Testament and hit some and then at the end there's a place about doctrine etc etc but I've been reading a lot about the, uh, the Israelites and the people who were around them as they were making their, their journey to the promised land. And then even after they settled into the promised land, in those days it was quite easy to see that they or others had made a conscious decision to not serve God because they would build idols they would melt down things and build statues and, and monument type things and they would start worshiping them and, and you would see it. We would, they, the people there would see it and they would know that they are in rebellion against God. Might be a little harder these days to see sometimes if, if we had taken up idols in our lives or if we're serving God and we've made up our mind we don't build statues in the backyard anymore and worship them or go down to the marketplace or the governmental square and build up something and, and, and worship it but I wonder this morning preaching from my heart this morning I, I wish you could feel the compassion and coming out of my heart here that I feel it I'm not preaching with any condemnation whatsoever because we all need God's mercy. We all need God's grace. But I wonder how many times, if we're not careful, have we, have we built up idols and things in our hearts and in our lives that are coming between us and God? Have we allowed maybe certain people to take up a, a place in our lives that should really be where God is? Am I worshiping God? And him only. And Jesus would say to us, I don't want you to be led astray. 
Jesus would say to us that I, I want to deliver you from the evil one, even those subtle things that, that maybe have crept in that we don't see and they've slowly grown and taken hold in our, our lives. Jesus would tell us this morning, why don't we pray that part of the model prayer? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I'm preaching good news to you this morning. I'm preaching and I'm telling every one of us that he will lead us. God will lead us. He will protect us from the evil one. And God, through Jesus Christ, has made a way. God, through Jesus Christ, has made a way that our relationship with God can be free and clear and the roadblocks can be removed and the sin can be forgiven and a right relationship can be established with us and God. I say, lead me not, Lord, into temptation, but deliver me, deliver me from the evil one. How about you this morning? Do you want to serve him? Do you want him to be number one in your heart and in your life? Would you stand with me all over this building today? Can we just bow our heads this morning? I sense the presence of the Lord this morning. I... I don't, I don't feel like we have to, to try to do anything spectacular, but I, I just feel the, the presence of God. I, I sense the Holy Spirit this morning. And I just ask you, I almost beg you this morning, before you leave this building, with your head bowed, and as you, as you, as you pray to God, would you do something that only you can do can you reaffirm that walk with the Lord? Can you reaffirm that commitment that God, you are my God. There is no other. I will not put anybody or anything before you. You are number one in my life. And I want your Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me and direct me. I renew myself before you. I commit myself again before you. You are my God. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Hallelujah. I want to be a vessel that is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I want to be a vessel that is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I want to be a vessel that is led by the Holy Spirit, I want to be a vessel that the Holy Spirit can flow through me, that I might influence others in a godly way. Let it be our prayer this morning. Let it be our petition this morning. God, as we pray together, God, as we pray together this morning, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, I feel your presence. I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. Holy Spirit, work in our lives, move in our lives, renew our minds, renew our commitments, renew our walks. Lord, let us walk holy before you. And when we stumble and when we fall, Lord, let us find that grace and that mercy and forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God, I ask now that you would watch over your word. 
as your scripture has said, watch over your word and perform it. Perform it in our lives. Do it in our lives. Lead us in a godly way. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. That evil one that wants to destroy us. That evil one that would love to destroy our body. But more importantly, he would want to destroy our souls. But God, deliver us from the evil one. God, we pray over our children. We pray over our grandchildren, over our great-grandchildren. We pray this morning that you would send the Holy Spirit to lead them. We pray this morning that you would send the Holy Spirit to draw them and protect them. And that you would be number one in their lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. They're going to sing this song. And if you need prayer, the altar is open. If you need salvation and you want to come and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this altar is open for you this morning. If you want to come and pray for a loved one or stand in for them, this altar is open. But I say, God, take your word and perform it in our lives. Go ahead and sing, please. Thank you, Lord.